This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show! Spoiler alert! What Did You Watch This Week is a candid discussion about recent movies and TV shows, and it may contain spoilers if you haven't watched them yet. Listen at your own risk. everyone and welcome to episode 28 of what did you watch this week my name is mike and my name is john hey john how's it going oh you know for it being the first week of new shows starting and shows coming back it's been hectic but good I, i have had again an excessive amount of overtime working 14 hour days on monday tuesday wednesday this week and then on my days off, which was technically Thursday and uh, Friday today, I uh, I've just been out straight with uh, kid-related stuff uh, on Thursday and then this evening. But I did manage to squeeze in a trip to the movie theater this this noon time. So Excellent. We'll talk about that later. Just a note to our listeners, as you probably just picked up, we're recording this a bit early as we both have an awful lot going on this weekend, so we're recording this Friday night, which means we will not be reviewing the new Friday night shows like The Exorcist, MacGyver, or uh, Van Helsing. Look forward to that on our next podcast. We'll let you know what we thought. And also, neither one of us have gotten around to watching The Blacklist yet. Correct. Which is a tragedy, but... It is a tragedy. So we'll double up on those as well as those other new Friday night shows to give you our opinion on them. On the on episode 29. Uh, Coming soon to a podcasting service near you. About a week from Monday, really. Yeah. yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> um, but otherwise, let's, uh, let's, let's kick it off. Let's get this show on the well, road. Actually, Mike... I was yes. thinking about it. Yes. You had a lot of overtime. You had a lot of kid-related stuff. Yes. But I have to wonder, in all that, what did you watch this week? Oh, well, I'm so glad you asked because we are uh, legally allowed to have our tablets at work now. And working the night shift, it, it's, I, I can just whip it out there whenever I want. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I want. This what? is a family-friendly show, sir. You do not right. be I'll talking just, about just, whipping it out. I just – my tablet, John. My tablet. Oh, okay. My tablet. My right. Kindle Fire. I was wondering what kind of business they were running there. My Kindle Fire. And uh, yeah, so I watched some new shows. I watched some uh, old shows, and I went had a little mini mini marathon movie type thing. Cool. I went, yeah. So, but uh, I, I really want to talk about, and I think we need to kick it off and talk about the uh, season finale, Mister Robot. Yeah. Uh, congratulations to Rami Malek. Yeah, right. Best actor in a dramatic series. Up against some big guns out there, and he won it. Yeah, I mean, I really look at, like, from hearing you talk about Mr. Robot, because I really, I mean, like, I just caught up Yep. a few weeks back. You know, I had the first season, and then I caught up the second season. I've been watching it weekly since then. And, you know, I thought it was more about, I mean, hacking is a big part of that show, but really, you know, especially with the second season, you know, the headliner is his... uh Mental health issues. It really is. Now, <laughs> now, did you see his play on that at his Emmy acceptance? He walked uh, no, up on stage and he was holding it. And the first thing he did is he leaned down to the microphone. And he got all bug-eyed like, you know, Elliot. And he goes, are you seeing this too? 
<laughs> it was perfect. It was so perfect. That is pretty great, actually, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Darlene's being questioned this whole episode. She's now, being interrogated. Now, remember, we've got two episodes to cover because I hadn't watched the one before that. Oh, that's right. You didn't. I'm yeah. sorry. Well, then let's back up in time. I forgot you hadn't watched that previous yeah. episode. Yeah. So we, we've got to go over that one, which goes right into this one. The two of them, I know you said that you don't need to watch them yes. back to back, and you were right. But watching them back to back was great. It, it did flow one right into the other one. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, yes. Demo. Yeah, I know. It, it definitely did. So. So this was the one, the the second to the last episode, part one of the season finale, was the one where he starts off talking to us about how he learned lucid dreaming. Yes. And he wanted to try to see what Mr. Robot was doing while he was asleep. Right. Yep. Which we didn't come back to until like three quarters of the way through the episode. I had almost forgotten that's what he was doing. (laughs) (laughs) But um, Angela's driving around in the back of a van with two people who have horrible taste in music. I mean, it was all like 40s and 50s doo-wop music. Not that there's anything really wrong with that, but just you wouldn't have expected it from two, you know, middle-aged people, maybe in their 30s. Right. And then uh, you had Dom in the hospital, you know, so you knew she lived through the uh, attack. Well, we knew she lived through the attack because she was standing in front of the screen. Right, right, right. You know, at the I, end. I keep... I keep messing that part up. <laughs> yeah. You corrected me on that one last time, too. Yeah. Um, we found out that China bailed out E-Corp for $2 trillion with no interest. Yep. The one thing we never found out in part one, episode 11 of season two was, did uh, Darlene and Cisco make it through? Right. They really kept they us hanging on. never even addressed it, never talked about it, never hinted at it, never nothing, which surprised me. Instead, we got that really bizarre... Scene. I mean, this show is known for some bizarre stuff. Like, they had that awesome opener that I loved so much with the classic USA stuff and, yes. the, and the sitcom theme. But we got this bizarre themed ep- uh, uh, interaction where Angela's put in that room with an old Commodore 64. Yeah, and that young girl? What was up with that? The young girl dressed identical to her, like yeah. hairstyle and everything. And then she comes in and plugs in the disc. I was giddy with that. Watching oh, that five and a quarter inch, inch disc. Going there. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, I paused the screen because I wanted to read all the different games on there. And it was just great. They were old classic games. But she booted up that old school text adventure. Oh, yeah. And then kept asking her questions. You know, are you a giraffe or a zebra? Is the key in the room? She's like, what is the key in the room? Is the key? It was just such a bizarre scene, and I loved every minute of it because it was just, it, it was messed up. Oh, yeah, it was. I mean, all the questions she was asking her as well seemed were kind of really inappropriate. Yeah. 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 Um, and then the fish dies, which that whole thing was kind of weird. You know, she's like, there's water leaking out of the tank. We have to hurry this along. Yeah, that whole scene was really odd even for that show. Yeah. Yeah. But then we find out that, you know, she's in a house that belongs to or at least is in control by B.D. Wong's character, White Rose, which I got to say, I am loving that character more and more every time I see him. 
Um, really weird, right? Yeah. Yeah. Really bizarre. Really bizarre. And <laughs> doesn't really look like him. Nope. B.D. Wong makes a very pretty woman. I, I hate to say that, but <laughs> he really does. He he makes a pretty Asian woman. I'm not talking like model gorgeous, but he pulls off looking like a woman fairly well. Most certainly does. And I loved how, you know, keeping in his theme, he sat in there and he was like, I've allotted 28 minutes for this conversation. And then you kept hearing the beeps every minute. Yes. Yeah, so it was still timing it even. Yep. And he sat down and he talked to Angela and he said, I want you to understand this. I wanted to find out why Philip likes you so much, why you're so impressive. And then he's like, I need you to believe in me. And then it kind of faded out to black. And we don't even find out what happened until the end of the second episode. Like, we don't go back to Angela until the end of the second episode. No, we do go back to Angela at the end of that first episode because she goes to her lawyer and tells him. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, and says, like, you know, she's dropping the case. Yep. Don't contact her. And whispers, don't call me ever again. Yeah. Don't try to contact me ever, whatever. But she but, had, like, a lightness to her at that point. Almost like, you know, those people who find Jesus, kind of. Yeah, and we know that because at the end of the second episode, she's completely like, like cool involved. Collected. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this was also when, uh, in this episode, was we got to see just how sad Dom is in life. You know, she's a great FBI agent, but she's utterly, hopelessly alone, depressed, like laying in bed talking to Alexa. Or, which, by the way, if Mr. Robot is getting kickbacks from Amazon and they're trying to sell the little Alexa Echoes there, uh, it's working on me because I want to get one of those now, just watching her interact <laughs> with her constantly. I know, right? I literally looked over at my friend and I was like, I really want to buy one of those now. I don't know if that was their goal, but I want one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it does seem pretty cool. And then we had, uh, we basically go back to Elliot and he's watching Mr. Robot. It's like a flip of the script because now he's watching Mr. Robot decode a message that came on a Thai restaurant menu and figure out where he's to go. Which is odd because Elliot couldn't figure out that same hidden message when right. he tried to do it. But yet, Mr. Robot could, and as we all know, it's the same person. Yeah. And I liked when he started making those realizations, like he was trying to catch up with him, and he's like, I can't lose him, I can't lose him. And then suddenly he's like, wait a minute, I can't lose him. I am him. Right. Yeah, exactly. And then he just appeared next to him. Yep. It's, um, it, was, it was interesting to see how he was able to take control for a little bit there. Yeah. But then when Keller showed up, and now he's freaking out because yeah. in his mind, Keller's dead. Has to be Terrell. dead. Terrell. Not Keller. Yeah, sorry. Terrell. Sorry. Yeah. Terrell. He, he has to be dead and he's just freaking out to the point where the cab guy kicks him out of the car. Yeah. Because he keeps asking the cab guy, are you seeing him? Do you see me talking to somebody? And I guess it's understandable given all that we know. You know, we've yep. seen how many breaks he's had and how many – how he's imagined Mr. Robot this whole time. He imagined that he was in his mother's house, you know. I can see that, but man, he really flipped out. But the but the cabbie never confirmed yay or nay or yes or no or whatever you want to say. He never said one way or another if if he saw him or no, not. He did not. 
It was left unanswered and amb- ambiguous. Yep. So. so that was the first episode. Now we can get into the season finale. Yeah. So, of course, finally, and not even right at the beginning, but finally in the season finale, we find out that Darlene's alive. Yes. And then through conversation, we learn that Cisco was, was killed. Yeah. And that he's dead. Yeah. Um, but, like, I don't know. I, I really wasn't overly excited about the whole interrogation of Darlene. Yeah, it felt like it was really missing something. Yeah, it did because it didn't it didn't whoops, it didn't feel to me, you know, like I don't know, you're right. I felt like it was missing something somehow or it just it should have been I'm trying to think of the words I want to use. Like maybe cuz Dom was so calm about everything and Darlene was so calm, like no one was raising their voices. So it wasn't that stereotypical like TV or movie, you know, interview scene where they get the person to flip, and you know what I mean. It was just a completely different direction from what you're used to seeing. Which is really funny because remember, at one point she kept saying, "I'm invoking my Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination," yeah. and the guy was like, "What?" Did he, he goes, "Look." What do you think this is? A TV show? He's like, this isn't burn notice, okay? Yeah, yeah. Characters like you aren't welcome here. My friend pointed that out to me. She's like, oh, it's USA. Characters welcome. And he's like, characters <laughs> like you aren't welcome here. <laughs> I didn't pick that up till now. I didn't either. It's, it's little well stuff done, like that. I love it. Friend. Um, but yeah, it, you're right. It felt like it was lacking punch. But I think that the reason be- behind that unfurls later because basically Darlene's sitting there thinking they have nothing on me. You know, she was playing it off that she was having dinner with her boyfriend and he got shot and whatever he was mixed up in, I had no idea. Dom, on the other hand, as we find out later, knows everything. Yeah. And literally knows Darlene's one of the ringleaders and has the map laying out everybody. And so she's playing it off like, oh, why don't you just tell us stuff? Why don't you just tell us stuff? We knew it all along. Yep. So both of them are trying to play the cool card like, you know, I've got you or you don't got me. So maybe that's where some of that, like, lameness came in. Now let me ask, at any point with Tyrell, because clearly Elliot was convinced that Tyrell was just in his mind. Yeah. Like Mr. Robot is. At any point, did you sway one way or the other? Uh, For the longest time, I swayed that Tyrell had to be – couldn't be Elliot because there is no way in all of his interactions with Joanna that she wouldn't have been like, why are you acting like this? You're my husband. Right. Um, You know, he's had – back in season one, he had that interaction outside of her apartment where he called himself Ollie. And then um, this season she said, you know, I want you to trace the phone and find out where it's coming from. Um, Yeah. Which we'll get to in a minute. But that was my whole thought of he can't be. But now that Mr. Robot has said Terrell is dead, Mm -hmm. and the only interactions we've seen of Terrell are one-on-one with Elliot, and then Mm -hmm. at that one point where Elliot's standing there, and then he's flanked by Terrell and Mr. Robot. Yes. I wonder if this Terrell isn't a figment of his brain. Like, if this isn't maybe even not his, maybe this is a schism of Mr. Robot's. Yeah, but Terrell shot him. Mr. Robot shot him in the beginning of this season. Shot him right Right, but he but he sat right up after. He sat right up after after falling over like he was dead. 
I don't know. True. I could see season. And he did have blood running down his head for a little bit there, like yeah, in other scenes. Huh? He bandaged his head and was walking. Yeah. But in this one, the phone call at the end is what makes me. I don't know because what Angela says is he should be the first person he sees when I I'll be the I should be the first person he sees when he wakes up, but that could you know could be she was talking to Elliot as yeah because he never spoke on the phone yeah he did did yeah, he? he spoke on the phone yeah yeah he did he said um she said you can talk to me they've already briefed me I know what it is and he said okay. He said it's bad, and she's okay. I should be the first person he sees wakes up, and he mm. says I love him, and she says so don't I, and then she hung up the phone and left. So it, it's tough, you know. I know Sam Esmail has says that he doesn't want to rely on any more like twists and turns and and big reveals because this season it kind of got on people's nerves more than anything. Yeah, but I could see it going either way, yeah. you know. It, it could have been that Elliot has this Terrell personality and that they know about it. And they were okay with it. You know, like the Dark Army somehow knows. And they were like, well, we're, we're working with him. Right. Right. It's so, it's uh, yeah, it is tough. It's a tough, because like, as I sit pondering, you know, yep. if he was part of Elliot's subconscious, if he was a real person or not, um, it was hard to gauge because, like, you know, the cab driver not saying anything and the way Terrell was acting and talking and, you know, it was just – and maybe they did it on purpose to lead us that down that road of, th- of thought or thinking or whatever. Right. Um, but for the most part, I, I thought the majority of the time that he was an actual person. Yeah. I I lean that way. I have to lean that way because I can't think that they would really schism him again. Right. But I don't know. I mean, ultimately, you never know, but I just, I'd like to, yeah, I don't, yeah. I'll tell you what I didn't need, though. What? Was the very unsatisfying twist on Terrell's wife. Oh, her getting just beat up? Well, it wasn't just that. It was the fact that, you know, this whole season, we've been led to believe that Terrell was sending her these gifts and was calling her on the phone and hanging up and she's trying to find him because he's deep undercover, but he still loves her and he's reaching out to her. And then to find out that the whole thing was just Scott, you know, the CTO of Evil Corp. Trying to get back at her for whatever he's blaming her for her, his wife's death. Yeah. Because he, he, uh, indulges the story a little bit by saying that that night of the banquet, his wife told him, oh, by the way, I'm pregnant. And so he's like, this is the best day of my life. And then that's the night that Terrell killed her. And he knew that. So he's like, I wanted to take that away from you. I wanted to give you hope and then take it away. It was so, like, lukewarm. Yeah. Well, then what he said to her, I mean, what she said to him after, though, about how she was a whore and blah, blah, blah. I mean, that was, like, vicious. Yeah. His wife is very vicious. Like she pulls zero punches. Oh no, she does. She, uh, no, absolutely. And then she takes a whooping. Yeah. I mean, he just like, I was surprised how, how, I guess, don't forget though, this woman, that's part of her sexual kink. Oh, that was, oh, the other thing. I, yeah, I totally noticed that she seemed to be getting off on it as well. Yeah. And she's able to take it. Like some people get beaten up and they just, it overwhelms them. But with her, it's so, it was. For it her. was not. 
It was not unwelcomed. Yeah. Yeah. And she was able to recover from it much more quickly. And then she goes and tells her boyfriend. So you find out that the guy she's been messing around with who claims to be, he's like, I'm your boyfriend. She's like, yeah, whatever. He was the bartender at the party that night. Yeah. From back at season one. And she's been doing all this so that she can be like, now you want to get revenge on this guy that beat me up. You're going to change your story and say that you saw him coming down from the roof, basically framing him for the murder of his own wife. Yeah, I know. And then he's just like, oh, I, I can't do that. And then she's like, excuse me? Yeah. And he's like, I, I guess I guess I can then. Yeah. <laughs> like, I love the fact that she is so manipulative, so dark and twisted. It really, her character is one of the most sinister on the entire show. Oh, yes, very much so. I just felt that this whole plot twist was very convoluted and very, like, boring, I guess. Yeah. You know, because we haven't seen him since earlier in this right. season when he went out and burned the money and put on the mask. So yeah, I, it's almost I like you forgot about him. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the two major storylines they should have stuck with was Darlene and then Elliot. Yes. Angela to an extent because I like what's going on. with. Well, yeah, we only saw her a little bit at the end of that episode. Yeah. But it was a, but it was good. Yes. It was they definitely told you where she was and where she sat on the project. And she spoke more confidently at the end of this episode than she has in any season I've seen her so far. Oh, yeah. There's definitely something inside of her now. And, and I don't mean like a parasite. I just mean like whatever White Rose told her really like set her on a path. I don't know. Yeah, and I just... It just sucks now because we have to wait so long before we find out what happens next. (laughs) Um, And let's not forget, too, that the reason that Terrell shot Elliot was because apparently Elliot is in charge of Phase 2. He came up with the idea, which we all know is Mr. Robot's idea, really. Exactly. But it was, you know, even if it's me trying to stop it, you kill me. Yeah. Because for some reason, okay, E-Corp has decided that, you know, having all of their different branches, all their different data facilities destroyed – around the world, their best course of action is to take paper documents to one building, one centralized building, and try to rebuild yeah. databases. So, well, yeah, but their, their train of thought, though, is that it's not digital. Right. So these guys are sitting basically across the street, and they're going to hack the UPSs. I wonder how accurate that is, if they could really do that, cause that type of explosion and that leakage and on and on and on. The way they described it, I believe it. Oh, definitely sounded convincing. And like I had said before, these guys have gone on record as saying that they go out of their way to research every hack that they do and make sure that it's – so at least in the hacking respect, they cover their bases. I would put some credence behind it. I'm not going to say yes or no one way or the other, but – And uh, did you see the PS after the credits? No. Oh, so after the credits started, it flashed over to another scene at a basically like a Target or a Walmart kind of thing. And it just panned across the parking lot and then came in on the building very slowly. And then you hear these two people talking and it's a man and a woman. And the woman's like, I'm telling you, if the code is good, we could undo everything. We could really undo everything and put it back the way that it was. And the guy's like, I don't even want to talk about this. We shouldn't be talking about this. We shouldn't be saying anything. What, let's just forget about this. And they're arguing about it back and forth. And then when we get in on them, it's Mobley and Trenton. 
Oh, okay. So that's where that is at this place, or at least that's their assumed identities. She's yeah. not wearing her hajib, and he's kind of cleaned up a little bit. And they're like, they're on their lunch break, and he's like, "Look, just shut up. Let's not talk about this." And then all of a sudden, this guy walks up and says, "Excuse me," and they pan over, and it's Joey Badass, the the ninja from jail. Yeah, and he says, "Do you have the time?" Mm. And then it just cuts to black, and you're like, "Bah, that's White Rose's uh, assassin." Yes, it is. And he found them, and they're talking about the ability to undo everything. And ah, interesting. Yeah. Oh God, I love that show. Man, I wish I would have seen that. P.S. It was. I bet you you can find it online. I'm sure, I could. I'm sure, I could. So on next week's episode of the Mr. Robot Podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Just talked about that for 25 minutes. Well, you got to figure, you know, I've been talking this up for so long. You finally watched it, and you can't believe how good it is. Oh, yeah, I love it. Last year, the Emmy for Best Supporting Actor went to Christian Slater for this show. This year, the Best Actor went to Rami Malek, who's never had anything really beyond this. So it, it's there's a reason that we're talking this much about it. It's that good. Excuse me. Yes, no, absolutely. Uh, yeah. He definitely deserved it, and it really <laughs> is that good of a show. But anyway. So, moving on. Yes. So, Law & Order SVU. I'm just going to okay. jump around a little bit, because yep. I know you didn't watch this. Correct. They did a terrorist angle in this episode. Okay. And I'm just going to say it was a pretty standard SVU episode. Um, it was really good. I liked it. Okay. And, uh, you know, I think they're in season 18 now or whatever it is, which is pretty remarkable. Yeah. Which is pretty remarkable. And, um, I don't know, it's just, it's just still, it's, it's a tried and true show that hasn't faltered to the wayside that you want to hate it anymore. Cool. You know what I mean? So I enjoyed it. It was good. Um, let's just talk shield. Shield. Yes. Did you watch shield? I sure did. And what did you think about them introducing Ghost Rider like immediately at the beginning of the episode? I was worried that when we had talked on the podcast last, I had said that I was afraid that they were going to do it as like a a gimmick, you know, just to sell episodes in the first part of the season. And so I was really worried at that point. I'm like, oh, my God, they're literally jumping right in. Like we open on him taking out some thugs. Yeah. Acting the... (laughs) Him being vengeful. Yep. Uh, they RPG his car, and it does this really bad CGI flip up in the air and, and oh God, bursts into flames and then comes down and is still flaming, but in classic Ghost Rider kind of yeah. sense. Uh, but aside from that, I liked it. Yeah? Yeah. What did you think of the actor that played... Uh, played the, well, first off... um. Yeah, I'm just, what would you think of the actor that played him? Honestly, I liked him. I didn't want to like him. Like, he's kind of a no-name, and he kind of looked like a little Weasley kid. But I felt that that gave him a little bit more credence. I don't know. It it put him at such odds with the rider, you know? When he's talking about the rider, and he's like, oh, you don't want to talk to the other guy, or oh, the other guy's going to come out. So when Ghost Rider comes out, he actually is scarier. That's how I felt, at least. You know, the kid seems kind of like timid and weasley. And then you've got the rider that is just like, I am vengeance. Yeah, I would agree with that statement. What'd you think? Um, <clears throat> I liked him. 
actually. I thought it was decent. You know, I like the fact that uh, they didn't show us him, him until the very, to the end of the episode, near yep. the end. So that was cool the way they held it off because they showed us his car. They showed us what he was doing. The I'm not so sure. Sh- that guy was painting. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'm not too sure about the key flip thing. I mean, oh, his second, little tick? Yeah, because the thing is, the second they focused on that, like, the first time he did it and they had the camera right on it, I was like, oh, that's going to be a thing this season. <laughs> well, maybe they just did it for the first episode because, you know, Daisy immediately recognized it and that's when she realized who she was dealing with. Okay, I guess that makes sense. I'm hoping. I'm hoping <laughs> but, uh, because they did that. Then... I mean, I, I thought it was a good episode. I thought it was an okay episode. It all felt, as a whole. It yeah. felt kind of like what you were saying about SVU. It felt like a typical episode. Like it felt like yeah. any other Shield episode I could think of. Yeah, exactly. It's not like it's an epic episode or blows me away type of thing. But it was it was still a, a good episode. Yeah, they uh, they kind of caught us up to speed, but they didn't have to like beat us over the head with it. We know that there's a new director. A lot of the traditional agents don't like him. Yes. Uh, they don't trust him. He has a new rainbow colored security code system in there. So, you know, people who have orange security are higher than red because it takes red and yellow to make orange. As was explained to us. I like that. Um, I was a little bit confused about how Daisy is now shattering her bones by using her powers. Well, like that was back I, when she I, first started. Exactly, but apparently now it's happening again when she's using them to excess. Yeah. Which kind of makes sense, but at the same time, you'd think if that's her special ability, that her body would be able to counteract it. Yeah. And fight against it or whatever it is. Why did we not really, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't remember hearing much about it this past season. And she was using her powers all the time when she was with Ward and, and, you know, his. Yeah, she used them a lot at the end of last season. But we never heard anything about her shattering her bones. And then they're like. Because now it's a convenient storyline i guess she's definitely uh dressing the street urchin part like she was going for the trashy leathers and the beanie cap and trying to stay undercover she succeeded yeah um i like the effects when they when his face peeled away to have the flaming skull I did like. Oh that. yeah, well, no, um, the special effects were actually pretty decent considering it's a TV show. Yes, yes. Um, one of the things that I really liked about it. Um, oops, sorry. All right, please don't say Anyways. naked android. Oh god, no, no, okay. no. But one of the things I kind of liked about it is that, uh, and this is just the sappy part that fits in MO together. Yes. Yeah, I know it's it's this little sappiness, if you will, but still, I, I really seen him at the end of the episode curled up in yeah, bed. Yeah, and I know that if we had to see Fitz say, "Oh, we got to lie to her," which is like, well, that never really works out well when you do stuff like that. But yep. still, it was just it was nice seeing that they managed to stay get together. together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of like the first time you saw Castle and Beckett get together. And then they stayed together, and you're like, this is good. I like yeah. this. Yeah, it's different. You know, it's, it's Zach and Kelly. Yeah, not every show. It's not, it's not Kevin and Winnie. Right, but not every show has to have the will they, won't they, will they, won't they. Oh, they're together. Oh, but now tragedy is going to bring them apart or something like that. Hey, I'm telling you right now, dude, if Grimm, if I'm Grimm, if Adeline and uh, <laughs> Nick. His name, Nick aren't a couple by the end of that series. <laughs> I don't know why, but I really want that. 
So we got to see Yo-Yo again. She was back in action. That was cool, and obviously she'd been in contact with Daisy the whole time. Yes, she's obviously working with her and, um, you know, still working for S.H.I.E.L.D. because they call her in and then they do the security scans of her. And Yeah, but it's kind of more like not – it's like a um, – not a full agent thing, but like almost like a uh, – Consultant? Cons- yeah, I guess, or a consultant or I want to say – I can't think of the word now, like a day high, not like a day laborer. You know? <laughs> Jesus, don't say that. <laughs> Especially because that. Yo-Yo is Hispanic. That is oh, not God, cool. Right. She okay. is not waiting outside the Home Depot, Mike. No, no. That's, it's not, a gun for hire. You know, there mercenary. You go. There we go. Like, yeah. you know. Now, this episode also kind of set up three potential, like, bad guy scenarios throughout the season. Of course, we have the Ghost Rider, which we see at the end. You know, he's got the brother who's in the wheelchair, and right. you know, he's obviously cares about him, and he's taking care of him. So right. he's a good guy. He's just got the soul of the evil. vengeance. Vengeance isn't necessarily evil, but the spirit of vengeance inhabits his body. Um, but then we had, as I was mentioning, the naked android played by the uh, woman who was... Queen Madalena from Gallivant. Um, this is the doctor who we got introduced to last season, who like was helping them perfect the inhuman, the inhuman serum. Yeah, and now he's made an android that he wants to make her so that she's not like they even mentioned. Oh, I don't want her to be Ultron. No, no, not Ultron. Um, yes, I like that. Yeah, yeah, but. He wants her to basically know enough and be smart enough to act as like a shield or a decoy for the agents out in the field. Take the hits where they shouldn't have to. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of a weak premise overall. Like, it really is. It, um, I was like, where are they going with this? Why are they trying to do this? It's either the doctor lying to evil. So he has this really off the wall, fake good guy story. Yep. Or it's him legitimately trying to do the you know how they the, when the bad guys try to do the right thing but they right. still end up being bad. Yep. Yeah. Because he was never really a bad guy. He was kind of forced to help them, and he liked the scientific discovery of trying to figure out the formula. But he didn't really, you know, subscribe to the villain philosophy. Well, yeah, because remember last season he had a really funny episode where he was just like, "Are you a shield?" And he was like, yeah, he's like, "Please help me! Please help me! Yeah, take me away!" Yeah. Um, and then the third one was what I dubbed the Ark of the Covenant, because we had that tractor trailer that was smuggled, oh. yeah, and hidden in a warehouse. So and that ghost, it, that ghost character, yeah. I thought it was going to possess May instantly. Yeah, I'm glad it didn't, but. But it had some effect on her because when it passed through her, you know, everything seemed okay. But then she looked at Coulson's face and his eyes sunk in and his mouth sunk in and, you yeah. know, he looked like a hell beast. So, and she was just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> she like pushed it off because it's May. What do you think of May's, uh, May's team she's put together? I like it. It's about time that she yeah. kind of spread out from being the cavalry. Exactly. I, I agree. I love the, what was your first mistake? Blah, 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 blah. He tapped out. His there first it is. mistake was tapping out. His first mistake was giving up. Yeah. That was great. So, but overall, it was a good episode. It was. Uh, I'm looking. But you're right. It felt like a routine episode. It really did. It didn't feel like season premiere. Yeah. Really. 
did I miss out or did I just not pick up on who the director of shield is? Uh, no, they have not shown them yet. They, it's been online. They've got some actor that is the director, but it, it, it they haven't given it away in the episode yet. They have not given us a name or, you know, a okay. relation or anything like that. We haven't even seen the face. Okay. So. I thought it was going to be older brother Petrelli. Ah. Uh, no, I, I don't think it is. Yeah. Talbot. Talbot. Thank you. Yep. So. All right. Now, speaking of shows that came back and didn't really wow me right off. Yeah. Superstore. Okay, so I did not watch Thursday's episode. Okay. The one where the uh, employees are outside protesting. Yeah. Yeah, I saw the Olympic one they did, which was out of out of you know order as yep. far as airing goes. But uh, what was it you didn't like about it? Well, it felt very run of the mill, mm-hmm. except that this time it felt like their everybody's personality was a bit too amplified. Like Amy was a bit too neurotic, and Jonah was a bit too like trying to be goofy or or trying to be like a little over the top. Dina though, the assistant manager, yeah. her character was so over the top, I wanted to reach in the screen and slap her. Well her character usually is over the top, but it's just excessive now, huh? Yeah. Like I liked the over the topness of her character in the last season. In this season it's so bad. Like they're sitting there at the table trying to talk to the guy from corporate who yeah. You know, he's like, we're, we want to work through this. We want to talk about the strike. You know, we want to end this as best as we can. They're like, well, we want Glenn to have his job back. And Dean, like, slams her fist on the table. She goes, I would sooner cut his throat and cut my own throat than let that man back at the end. And he's like, okay, you need to calm down. Yeah. It's yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Top. But we'll see. Overall, the episode itself was not anything special. It, it again, felt like another one of those episodes that just kind of came back. Huh. Well, I'll still check it out. Yeah. But, um, all right. I don't have high hopes for it now. No, you shouldn't. Um, Sorry. It's all right. So uh, another show that came back uh, this year that I watched, and um, Lucifer. Lucifer, yes. And I'm pretty much still on the whole hum parade on this one because, you know, I just I hate the fact that he doesn't have his abilities when the detectives around. Yep. I hate it. Like <laughs> he was in that house with that woman and she hit him with something and he was like, oh, no. Then you hear a knock on the door. So, you know, like, and, you know, the, she's outside calling and and he says, I of just, course, she'd be here. Exactly. I just I hate that. I just don't like it. That and what, what I hated even more. More than that was when I'm going to ruin his name, Amenadiel. But when Amenadiel showed the de- showed quote unquote the detective uh, how Lucifer faked getting shot, etc. Yeah, that I hated me that. Too. Hated that. I didn't hate it as much as you did, but yeah. it did bug me that yeah. he went to that amount of trouble and that you know he dressed himself up with all the squibs and everything. And then was like, look, see, it was all fake. Yeah. So I just, um, yeah. He, I, he I don't care. also I, I, losing his power. Yeah, I saw that. I just, I don't feel like this is a show I'm going to keep up on. It's going to be more along the lines of, oh, I got nothing going on. I can throw this on. Gotcha. See, I'm still loving it. 
Yeah, I, I liked it last season, and I'm liking it this season too. I agree with you about the squibs thing. I hope that they pretty soon here let us know what's going on with Chloe and her cancellation of his powers because it is getting a little bit um, testy. You know, I'm starting to get a little tired of it's like um, it's like a game of keep away, basically. You know, at first you're like running back and forth trying to get your hat from the bullies that are throwing it. And after a while, you're just like, you know what? I can get another hat. I don't need to care about it this much. And that's kind of what I'm feeling about this whole why does Chloe cancel his powers thing. It's like, look, if you guys aren't going to tell us, then fine. I just won't even put any more effort into it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm right there with you, actually. But this was interesting because, like, a lot of shows come back and time has passed. This one, only two days had passed since the season finale. Oh, I didn't pick up on that, but yeah, you're right, I guess. Yeah. They've got a new CSI girl who seems kind of cool, although she's mm-hmm. a little uh, flighty. Yep, yep. And uh, that's true. That did pick up straight away, right? Well, wait. No, didn't Detective Douche have some sort of suspension he had to serve out? Yeah, and he said that they uh, put him back on the streets, remember? He's like, I didn't want to. But they put him back <laughs> on the streets because, and I'm going to butcher it, but he said something about, like, because the other cop was shot. They wanted him back out on the streets to try to figure that out. Oh, yep. Yep, that's true. But, wait, he didn't... Oh, no, that was a different show. Never mind. Keep... We're going to move on. <laughs> um, I liked, at the end, when Trisha Helfer shows up at his apartment and kind of staggered in the door and was like, Lucifer, help me. It harkened right back to Battlestar Galactica. I Yeah, it, it really did for me as well. <laughs> falling through the door and, and you know clutching her stomach and being like, help me. I was like, ah! Um, but it's going to be interesting to see what they do with the rest of the season. They I mean, can't... I may watch next week, yeah. but it'll be a when I get around to it thing. Well, at least you'll know that if you don't keep watching it, you'll have me to catch you up on it. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. I just want him to have his powers, I guess, and not have to deal with that, not having them crap. Well, it, like I said, it's interesting that Amenadiel is losing his power, too. You know, his time-stopping power just gave out on him while he was looking through Chloe's desk. And then later on when he was sitting there by himself and he tossed the keys up in the air and made them freeze, and he was like, okay, okay, and then they just fell. Yeah. So something is going on that's affecting them. And it Maybe could it's be been on Earth too long. Maybe. That could be it. But then again, with Lucifer, it's specific to the detective. That's true. Did you watch uh, Gotham? I did watch Gotham. Um, what did you think of the episode? I'm. I hate to say this. I really do. But I. I thought it was a good episode. I actually also really enjoyed the episode. Um, and I hate that. I. The one thing I did not like about it is Jim seeing his girlfriend with another man laughing, and he just walks away, and he's like, oh, she must have moved on then. Yes. Because there's no other thing that could be happening between this man and this woman than they're in some sort of uh, romantic and relationship. Right. Couldn't be her brother. Couldn't be a gay roommate. You know, couldn't even be a platonic friend. No, must be that she's moved on with her life. I should get out of here. What a wuss way to go out. Yeah, exactly, I thought. I thought the same exact thing. Um, but otherwise, um, you know, I, I thought uh, the young kids there, like young Bruce and Selena and 
and young poison ivy or you know they're really <laughs> uh really showing their age this yep. season. And yeah, they, this is the season that they're aging up Ivy, which they explained it quite well in this episode with yes. the guy who can age people to death, you know, the reverse fountain of youth, and he grabbed her wrist for like five seconds before she fell down into the sewers. So next episode or the episode after that, she'll probably pop out as the new bombshell poison Ivy. <laughs> probably. Makes sense. <laughs> and then we've got the Valerie Vale introduced here. God, I know, right? Valerie Vale. She's a character. She's a legit character. You know, she's Vicky's cousin, but yeah, I, it's you know that's going to be a love interest for Jim. Yep. Um, I thought though that some of the most interesting character interaction was this. I, I'm loving this version of Barbara. She is nuts, and she's embraced it. Like owning the bar with uh, Tabitha there. Yep. And they kind of go nuts on the guys that show up for protection money. <laughs> Punches her in the face and she's just like, start. she goes full she, joker. She, she kills two of them. Yes. She full really on has, kills two of them. She has more of the makings of the Joker than she does of Barbara Gordon from the comics. Yep. Oh, you know? no, I agree. I agree. And I hate to say it, but I love it. I, I like the, the the fact that she didn't like snap out of it and be like, oh, I want to be a good girl now. Oh, I'm sorry that I did all this stuff. She's really embraced this. And it, it works for me. Although, I have to say that I hate the whole Butch thing. You know, Butch being the lovesick boy who, you know, wants Tabitha back. And, and so he sends the goons after them so that, you know, they'll have to come running to Penguin and Butch and then they'll make it all better so Tabitha will take him back. That's stupid. That's yeah, that really stupid. even sounds stupid. Yeah, Penguin needs to just take him out. <laughs> yes, he does. But, and interestingly, we saw Man-Bat in this. Early stages Man-Bat, like before he goes all hairy and has the giant ears. But that guy that yeah. kept shrieking and then had the bat wings. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was kind of kind of cool. That definitely got people's attention. Yeah. Because I put in my notes, I'm like, was Gordon fighting Man-Bat? And then a little later on, I'm like, it is Man-Bat. Yeah, 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 it was. Um, but, you know, oh, I just lost my note. Hmm. Oh, there we go. I'm glad to see the captain's back around, that they didn't kill yes. him off. Sorry, it took and me a while to find that note. just as cantankerous as ever. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh. And then Gordon not running right back to the police. Yep. That was That's kind of refreshing. Obviously, he does eventually. Right, but he's certainly making a name for himself as a bounty hunter and some money, yep. too. <laughs> yep. yep. He, uh, and then we've got this whole Court of Owls thing, which uh, I hope they don't mess it up. They're, they're already making it seem overly convoluted. You know, you got the masked guy that shows up and beats the tar out of Alfred again because he gets beaten up like every episode, it seems. Oh, I know. Yeah, that's the thing is like, oh, Alfred, I'd like to see him win a fight once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. I thought he was going to be this big badass. And no, he just keeps getting his ass handed to him. Yeah, by everyone, no matter what. And then, oh, Bruce get kidnapped. And the <sighs> actual Bruce, because let's not forget that we've got Doppel Bruce running around. Yeah, what is that all about? I mean, did I miss something? 
he at the end of the season when that bus overturned with all the people from Indian Hill, he was the last oh, one to get out kind of like look down at and I don't know what's going on with him because he doesn't know who he is. So you're wondering if it was some experiment to clone Bruce Wayne. Are we going to get into a whole hush kind of thing here? Or are we just going to go with an independent storyline that has nothing to do with that and is just like, oh, well, somebody wanted to clone Bruce Wayne so that we could mold him into our own thing and take control of Wayne Enterprises so that we could keep Indian Hill going, which would be lame. Yep. But overall, it was a good episode. Yeah, I honestly thought it was. I really think that the bar there that the girls are running, since we've got Tabitha and Barbara, they yeah. should call it like Babs and Tabs. I I think that it takes nice. care of itself. Babs I, and Tabs. It pretty much sells the whole thing right there. But they won't, of course. All right, so Gotham. Uh, you know, this is going to be weird to say too, but I'm actually quite glad I got to say it, which is... I really, really enjoyed Big Bang Theory this week. And let me ask you, was it because Penny's family was actually refreshing? Yes. I wrote my note, that's Penny's exactly family the is the most real of them all. Like, yes. that's what this show has been missing for the longest time, yep. was grounded people. That's what Penny was in the beginning. Yeah, that's absolutely what she was, who she was in the beginning. And now they've kind of lost that. And seeing this episode, you're right. I was like, this is great because these people are more realistic. Don't let them think we're white trash. <laughs> what color do you want to call it, mother? <laughs> I love him so much. <laughs> Every character he ever played is just cold. I love him from uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yep. From forgetting Sir Marshall. I, I, I love it when his wife is pushing him down there. He's like, no, no, they wouldn't have put him around the corner from a sewage plant. <laughs> it was supposed to be a good thing. And he's like banging his hands against his head saying, it's not fitting. Not fitting. <laughs> he was awesome at 30 Rock. He, yep. he was the voice of uh, Ray's brother in one of the greatest episodes of Archer when they go back home because he's a uh, drug farmer, not a drug seller, a drug farmer. Drug farmer, yeah. And, no, uh, I, I thought it was a really, really good episode. Yeah. Um, which I think we were lacking last year was a good episode. Yep. Um, although, I, again, first off, Bernadette as the officiator of the wedding, awesome. Yep. yep. <laughs> Shut things right down, which she needed to do. Um, but the whole subplot of the army coming after Wallowitz is a little, like, the whole back and forth with Raj at the door, and he's like, he's not here. Oh, I know. Raj, who is it? Yeah, that, yeah, that, that whole was, thing. That was like almost slapsticky. Yeah, that was that was the weakest link of the episode. Yeah. Just everything else. The humor in it was great. Yep. Um, I want to see more of Penny's family. I do too, actually. I really want I even enjoyed. Show. I enjoyed Leonard's family yep. and Sheldon's mom and that whole interaction, and then just... You know, like Sheldon being like, well, good, because if I lived with my brother and his wife, that would be weird. Yeah. Yep. I, I think that what we're seeing is what this show needs, which is more of a cast. Yeah. You know, when they were going to do that second ceremony thing and they were going to do the whole vows, I thought it was for a split second. I thought, oh, are they going to do some stupid thing where Penny is like realizing that maybe she made the wrong choice. Oh, yeah. I thought the same thing. 
oh, but instead it was just like, nope, I am so happy. I couldn't be happier. And I'm like, oh, good, good. Because that hit my brain. I was like, oh, that will that would ruin the season. Yes. Because, you know, the on-again, off-again thing only lasts for so long. Oh, yeah, it does. Yeah. That would have ruined the show for me. I would have been like, you know yeah. what, I'm done. But it just everything was – There's the comedic timing was great. The little side jokes were great. Yep. You know, like at the wedding when Howard's just like, oh, it's nice. She's not yelling at me for a change. Howard. <laughs> you know, and he snaps too and everything. Like it was just – it was a great – it was a great episode. And I hope this is a sign of things to come. I do too. I really do too. But like I said, I think a big part of that was Penny's family and the fact that we had some grounded, realistic people. And I know that they were kind of over the top for their white trashiness, but it felt You know, actually, better. I didn't even feel like their white trashiness was over the top. Like, no, I, I mean, the fact them, that they I kept have... talking about it. Oh, oh, kept talking about yeah. it. Yes. Okay, yes, yes. But Katie Seagal is awesome. Oh, know? yes, she is. And <laughs> seeing her in this role was just perfect. You could really picture her raising Penny. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And she oh, doesn't want everyone to think anything negative of the family. We don't know these people. They don't know us, so they don't know how screwed up we are. You know, like, <laughs> yep. that was great. <laughs> ah, good episode. Yeah. I watched The Good Place. Did you watch all three episodes? I've only watched two of them. I did okay. not watch anything Thursday night. I had... Yeah, I only got a couple hours sleep yesterday after I got out of work, and I wanted to get Mr. Robot in. And yep, I yeah. Guess so no, made the right choice. I watched the first two episodes. Okay, what were your thoughts? I really liked it. Okay, so far, um, you know, it's it's a little zany, it's a little out there, but the premise is, is that they're in not really heaven, but they are all dead. Right. So it can be zany and out there. Yes. You know? it, yeah, it's not heaven and hell. It's the good place and the bad place. Yeah. And I just, I like that. I have questions I thought you would. <laughs> like, there's there's some great humor in there. Yep. Um, I, I like, like how her Chris, death. Yep, I did too. I like how, like, she's sitting there and it says that everything is fine. Oh, okay. Yep. And then how cool and she doesn't say anything. And then finally when she's alone with her um, soulmate, she's like, this isn't me. Like, that's my name, but that's not who I am. These yep. are not my memories. Yep. Um, so I thought that was all great. Um, so I really liked the first episode. The second episode, um, where they learned to fly and everything. Yep. Um, I thought that one lost a little bit for me. Yes. That one took a little step back because the storyline was kind of like, all right, yeah, we get it. She's a selfish person. Um, She's not just selfish. She is self-absorbed. Oh, massively She is the epitome of those people that we all hate these days, yes. the ones who love to hear themselves talk, the yep. ones who are only interested in telling their own story, the yep. ones who just like go on and on about – The ones that look out only for themselves. Yes, exactly. Yes. Um, and then even at the end when she had that little shining hope of, oh, I see, I did do something else. She had Janet up to no good. Yes. Which, by the way, I loved Janet. <laughs> Janet is awesome. So Janet is like a living, quote-unquote, version of Sarah. <laughs> she is. Exactly. Yeah. I think she even calls herself that at one point. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, for those who don't know, basically she's dead. She's in the good place. Uh, about e Each religion guessed about 5% of what it takes to get into the good place. It's all math. 
basically everything yeah. good and bad that you do has a certain point value added did to you, it. Did you stop at all and read some of those things? Yes, they were crazy. Like poisoning a well yep. or, or po- posting a false Facebook status update <laughs> or just making a sandwich. And they even go so far as they're talking about like people who have made it in and people who haven't. She's like, who's in the bad place? And he, he's like Mozart, Elvis, Picasso, basically every artist ever is in the bad place. Yeah, also, every, every U.S. president except Lincoln. That um, makes sense, yeah. And even Florence Nightingale didn't make it. <laughs> she, she was just a little shy. Um, yeah, so I, I, uh, I, I didn't watch the third episode, obviously, but um, the, uh, the British neighbor and her monk – husband or soulmate who doesn't talk or whatever. I thought we were going to find out that some of the issues that were going wrong with this utopia was because of how she felt towards her soulmate. Gotcha. Um, But no, no, it's definitely all Kristen Bell's character. The, um, the third episode, I won't give anything away for you since you haven't seen it yet, but I will say that you see more of Janet and yep. Janet goes through different personalities because Michael is trying to get her to be more uh, personable. So she goes through a lot of different personalities and it's a lot of fun to watch. Um, and there is a major reveal at the end of it that helps. See, I watched the first two episodes and my thought was, how are they going to continue this? Because it's kind of a one note uh, story basically there's a woman she's in heaven essentially and she's not supposed to be there and so her negative attitudes make the place fall apart so how are they going to continue that is it just going to be one zany adventure of her trying to be a better person each week but starting off as a terrible person yeah because they can only do that for so much time yep but there was a reveal right at the very end of the third episode um at the end of the second episode, you know how she got that card under her door? Yes. That said, you don't belong, you don't belong here. here. Yeah. Yep. You find out who gave her the card and why, and yeah. it sets it up so that the show has a – the show has legs now. I'll okay. say that. It, it definitely could go on. So I'll be interested to see what they do. Cool. I 100% plan on giving it a shot because it did look good. Yep. I, and, I think um, once you get done with the third episode, you'll be like, all right, I'm on board with this. Sweet. Good. I look forward to that then. I look forward to that. Yep. Um, I'll, I'll throw in two quick ones here. Yeah, go ahead. Brooklyn Nine-Nine and New Girl both came back this week. Yeah. Um, both of them were good, but typical – like nothing out of the ordinary, you know, they were just dealing with the fallout from the last season, you know, Brooklyn nine, nine Holt and um, Jake are in witness protection in Florida, which is really weird because they're not blood relatives. I understand that the same guy's looking for both of them, but the fact that witness protection would put them both in the same neighborhood in the same state seems a little odd where they're not married. They're not relatives anyway. And, uh, it was typical Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but very enjoyable. They need to get the rest of the cast back, though, so they need to end this witness protection thing. And New Girl was good. Very generic New Girlish. So that's all i got to say about those. Cool. Well, I used to watch New Girl, but I kind of fell off a couple of years ago, and I haven't really tried to catch up yet. But I used to really enjoy the show. Yeah. Um, so I watched a show last night with Kate before she went to bed that she had actually watched the previous night um, and said, Oh, you got to watch the show. It's so good. And it was, um, this is us. 
I knew you were going to say that. I knew it. I, I almost said, are you going to say this is us? And I watched it with her. <laughs> and I got to say, I really enjoyed the show. Yes. Did you watch it? I did. Okay. I loved Gerald McCraney's character. Yes. And the big reveal at the end, as far as, you know, I had no idea. I did not see that coming at all. I had started piecing it together. I had, I just didn't see it coming at all. And then, of course, I didn't notice anything about their – like, I noticed, like – I will say I remember making a comment of like, oh, nice Canadian tuxedo fella because <laughs> um, that's what I do whenever I see that outfit. But like Those I didn't – Yeah. I didn't pick up on um, – The decor. The decor or anything. But then, of course, once you realize it, yep. they make it so blatantly obvious. I mean especially with the smoking in the hospital. Right. Um, but uh, it's – it's enjoyable. I hope that moving forward that the show is going to really delve into the parallels, you know, this life versus the current life type of thing. Uh, but, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I really liked the characters that they had there. Although, for the life of me, and I will probably do this forever, he is not Justin. He is not the Manny. He is Smallville's Oliver Queen. Yeah, I know. I was thinking the same thing. Um, I loved it when he was in his sister's house drunk and um you know the other was it david is that his name um might have been i can't remember he's like oh is this a fat guy from that class (laughs) yeah the the funny fat guy from your class yeah and then he the guy picks up to himself and he poses yep he's like can we do it without the shirt (laughs) oh i know without the shirt it's great the the spoiler free rundown of this show is that they talk right in the beginning they say that on wikipedia great source i know um it's estimated that every that the average person shares their birthday with like 18 million other people and that there's no evidence whatsoever that sharing a birthday can affect the way that you act or the way that you behave or anything like that and so we see People. We see Milo Ventimiglia, who is having his 36th birthday today, and his wife, Mandy Moore, is about to give birth to their triplets. We see Justin Wally or whatever, Oliver Queen from Smallville, really handsome guy. Uh, he's having his 36th birthday, and he's kind of a washed-up actor. Like, the guy even tells him, you know, you only had a three-run stint on, like, what was it? It was some show like Law & Order or something like that. Right, yeah. And his twin sister, who is largely overweight and really um, hates herself for it. And yeah, and she's a twin. So she's obviously having her 36th birthday. And then there is a uh, black executive guy who's celebrating his 36th birthday today. And he has tracked down his biological father who abandoned him at a firehouse. Yes. So that's the premise. You so should we... really watch the show. Yeah, I think you really should watch that first. It's on it's uh, it's on Hulu. So yep. if you have Hulu, you can watch it there. Probably on demand if you have Time Warner Cable under uh what is it? What channel is it on? NBC? I think so, yep. It's NBC, yeah. Underneath their uh their their on demand channel, but it's yep. it's really good. And then the uh the big reveal at the end I was just like, no way! Yeah. Like, it, it did not see that coming. Because honestly, like, you watch the episode, and I'd say, like, if it's 42 minutes long, the first 40, 41 minutes are, like, a typical, well, this is kind of cool. This is kind of, you know, I could see they're setting us up to follow these people and talk about their lives. And then the last minute or so, it's like, whoa! Pump the brakes. Okay. This just got interesting. So, yeah, do yourselves a favor and check that out. 
I'm glad you watched Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I looked at Kate and I was like, I guess we're going to be watching this every week. And she was like, yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I, uh, Gerald McCready there, I always just call him Major Dad. He was so good on that show because, like, and I'm just going to say this, like, he comes into the uh, the room and to the to the woman that's having the triplets. And he says to me, like, all right, so your doctor, because, like, you know, I've had three kids, and the consistent is, is like, you, there's a doctor you like. Yep. That's a doctor you're dealing with the entire time. That's really who you want to have deliver your baby. That's who you want to be there. That's who you're comfortable with. And then when that person's not there or it's someone you're not comfortable with, I mean, like, for us, like, we had, and I, I can't think of her name now. Ma, sorry, I can now, actually. We had, like, I think it was Maud was our birthing. Uh, we had um, midwives. And with the midwives, you get whoever's on call. Mm-hmm. And we had met all the midwives, and, and Efi was our favorite. Yes, they all have weird names. Our nurse was Delete. Like, the key. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So, like, we wanted, we really wanted, you know, Efi to deliver the baby. And Maud was our, our instructor in our uh, uh, birthing, I'm going to call it the birthing class, because we had weekly meetings where we were all, like, there was, like, five other mothers or couples that were in the class with us and everything. And we did not want her there to, 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 to deliver our baby. Like we would prefer to have not had her. And it was like, you know, if the baby would have come on Friday, it would have been her, but the baby was stubborn and Wesley didn't come here till Saturday. So we got, we got Efi. So we were happy. So Gerald McCraney's character is in there and he's like, your doctor's appendix burst an hour ago. And they're both immediately, they're like, you, you're joking, right? And I'm like, I, I know that feeling. <laughs> that is a legitimate feeling right there. And then he proceeds to do this unbelievable like monologue, talking to her, talking to him about what they're going to do and everything. It was awesome. It, it was really so was. good. It was so good. And he even, I mean, like, even him saying, like, because I know I'm a stranger to you, but yep. we're going to do this. And I'm just like, and, and being in that scenario in the past, it's like, that's, I know exactly what they're feeling. And I, if I would have had, if, you know, if I would have had the doctor say that to me, I would feel way more comfortable, you know, being in that scenario before. Right. So I feel like we're going to see him more this season too, because even I his do. speech to Milo at the, at the, towards yes. the end of the episode about lemons and lemonade. Amazing. Again. Yeah. Yes. It, like he seems to be the sage like character. Yeah. Because so. he has to come forward and deliver some good news and some bad news. Yep. And then he does it again because he because you know Milo even says like I'm having a hard time processing this yep. because he's giving him some amazingly great news and some horrible bad news at the yep. same time, and then he's just he says like Do you mind if I sit here down for a moment with you and he nods yes he goes Do you mind if I try to say something you know yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> try was, to say something to make you feel better yeah it go was ahead surprisingly well done it was it was great like I. I watched the previews and there was like the whole Milo's whole preview where he talked about how it's just, everyone's gonna be all positive in the room and everything. That honestly made me not want to watch it. Yep. In the commercials, but then the uh, I can't think of the actor playing the black guy, but in his where he comes up to his dad and he's like, "I just want you to know that I you know like 36 years ago you left me at the firehouse, and then I turned out great and on and on and on." And then you know his dad at the end his birth father goes, "Do you want to come in?" Yes, and he walks by him. <laughs> like that whole scene spread out is spread out even more and it's yep. even longer. And I, I enjoyed that. 
So I just I thought it was good. I really like the show. I'm actually really looking forward. I'm surprised that this is one of my new favorites because it's not a police procedural. It's not a superhero show. It's not a supernatural show. It's, it's a, just it's a loving family kind of drama. It's drama. It's and just a drama. I'm and the I same never way. Like that stuff. I don't either. And I'm surprised that you know just based on what I've seen, I'm like yeah. I want to watch more of this. Yeah. And no, it's like, not just to see Aquaman. Oliver Queen <laughs> running around oh, nice. with no shirt on. <laughs> no, it's it's one of those things where it's like, um, I never watch drama shows like this. Like the closest thing would maybe be Leverage, but even then, that's like a crime caper show, and it's it had a lot of comedy. Yeah, and it's not it's just a straight up family drama, like you know, Modern People or, or like. Other shows, The Heart of Dixie, or other shows that Kate yeah. always watches that I never watch. I'll say this, too. Like, these days, it's hard to see a show where they prominently feature an overweight actor or actress. Yeah. And, absolutely. you know, Mike and Molly did it, but they did a lot of jokes about it. That was, There was lots of comedy there. This was very serious. And like, I'm a- you're introduced to her, opening up her fridge and seeing all the post-it notes she's put on all of her food, like, this is this many calories. What is yep. wrong with you? Why would you eat this? Yeah. And she's going to Overeaters Anonymous meetings, and she falls off of her scale. Like, they're really treating this as a serious thing. Like, yep. we're going to follow her on her journey of... I hate myself for being this way, but now I've met this guy who kind of likes me this way, but I still want to be better. And and food's my comfort when I'm sad and feeling bad. Yep. Yeah, like, you know, not to get I'm, – I'm a big fella, and so, like, I I can relate to that. Yep. I think maybe that's why I like the show so much. There was so many – there was a good couple strong parts that I could relate to. Yep. I don't know. It sucked me in, and now even now talking to you about it, it really it just it's sucked me in even more. I like I think you probably felt the same way I did, which is yeah, I'm going to talk about this show, and there is no way Mike watched it or will want to watch it. Yeah, I basically thought I would this would be my solo show of the season, <laughs> you know. And yet here we both are. So yeah, it's got uh, our thumbs up. Yeah, absolutely. This is yeah. us. Check it out. Um. I know we've been talking in over an hour now about new TV. I got I got one more. Do you have any more? Oh yes. Okay. Um, well, I watched Lethal Weapon. I did as well. And I'm gonna say this. Uh, I, I recorded uh, Off the Ropes last night with Aaron and uh, Aaron Bell, and he had talked about. You know, in the chat, he mentioned that he hated this show. Okay. And I asked him why he hated this show, and he gave me his reason. Okay. And it's a hundred percent valid reason okay and that is because he loves lethal weapon he the loves movie. the he loves the movies he loves those first two movies so much the third one was okay the fourth one was oh it's nice to see the characters again but he loves the first two movies so much like to him those are the ultimate great action movies and for him he loves those characters he loves race he loves murtaugh and then to see him played the way they're played, how they're doing the introduction of the storylines different, of the characters different, the characters being played a little bit different, on and on and on. He doesn't like it. I can completely understand his reasoning. Doesn't like it at all. Is he going to watch the second episode? Yeah, because it's Lethal Weapon, but he <laughs> hates it. Now, I completely understand his point of view, and the way I came out of the show was from it was, 
if the Lethal Weapon movies had never happened, okay, and yep. this was an original concept with these characters, based on that episode, I really enjoyed it, and mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the characters and how they were displayed. Yep. And honestly, for me, in order to really like this show, I'm going to have to just keep pretending that the Lethal Weapon movies never happened, or they're just unrelated. Right. I, I think that's a good, valid point. Yeah, because I actually came away liking the story. I really liked Riggs's story, how we got to see you know the background. And Aaron's probably going to jump all over me when he hears this. But I, I liked how they showed us his wife you know, dying, yep. getting killed, and what it did to him. Yep. And because I got that he was crazy and quote-unquote suicidal or whatever from the first movie – from the movie, and then he just kind of told us what happened and why he's kind of like that. But here in the show, you they showed you it, yes. and they showed you how how bad he's hurting. And um, I don't know. I just I really liked how this guy played it. I really liked you know how the show went, and I do look forward to watching more episodes. I uh, I liked quite a bit of this show, although my big note on it was this show is already over the top. Now oh. I know. I know the movies were over the top. Yep. But the opening scene with Riggs where he's barreling through the the mountainous desert terrain and he finds out that his wife's going to have her baby and he's got that really over the top southern accent. Yeah. And then she's like, oh, I'm having it now. So he decides to call off the chase by flipping the truck around and telling his buddy to do the spotter thing for him so he can snipe out the engine block of the other truck that's escaping. Yeah, and the guy cow. literally says, "Oh man, I'm saying there ain't but three people in the three people uh, three shooters in the world what could make that shot, and you ain't one of them." Well, and that's kind of straight. That's kind of straight out of one of the movies, and I never liked it. I, yeah, that's kind of straight out of one of the movies. Actually, when they give so. that kind of exposition over the top, that's supposed to be there just for the viewer. You know, you could say this is an impossible shot or I can't believe you'd try this. Nobody could make this shot. That's more believable. You and I would never say that. You would never find somebody saying there ain't but three people in this world what can make that shot. Yeah. Nobody has that kind of trivial knowledge in their head. So that was a little bit much. The fact that they later on crashed into the Grand Prix and were suddenly driving yeah. up the track of See, that. All right. Yes, that was really crazy. Um, I completely agree with you there. Yeah. Um, I wondered, to a point of me wondered, like, all right, so is this part of the, um, it's the pilot episode, we have to go balls to the walls? Right. I think it probably was. Yeah. And that, is it going to all of a sudden just kind of die down a little bit? You know, the, the zaniness, the over-the-topness and everything? Yep. Yep. And otherwise, I did really enjoy it. Um, Like you said, like Aaron said, if you can take away from it that it is not the Lethal Weapon movies, then these are good characters. I really liked Riggs. I liked his portrayal of somebody who has been dashed to bits, um, but is still, you know, he says at one point, he's like, I want to die. He's like, but I can't do it myself. Well, why? Well, because she'd be so disappointed in me. You know, so he wants to die. He wants to be with his wife and his. As he said, I miss my girl. Yeah. 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 And he's really broken up. I loved it when he went into the bank 
and the, the guys were there and he was like, you should shoot somebody. That'll show him. And they're like, what? And he's like, he looks down at the black security guard and he's like, but you know, you should shoot a white person cause that'll be better. Sorry. It's just true. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, that was good. So I like, that aspect that he really is suicidal, but we'll start seeing him warming up as he spends more time with the Murtaugh family. Um, it, Damon Wayans Jr. is a brilliant actor. He really is playing a very, very different version of Murtaugh. Like, he's almost the comical version. You know, not the, I'm getting too old for this, which they threw in there. You're getting too old for that. I am not getting too old for this. You said you said junior. It's just Damon Wayans. That's not that's senior. Yeah, I thought the same thing. I thought it was junior as well. They look like, so much alike, but I know, like I thought it was junior as well, and I don't know if it was. I think I might have been talking to Aaron about it or somebody. I don't know, but I, I or Rude. I was talking to Rude probably. I thought it was junior as well. No, that's just Damon Wayans. That's Homie the Clown, dude. Oh wow! I well, know that right? explains why he had the paunch on him. Yep, because I was like, junior is sleek. Yeah, you know, he was coach no. on New Girl, and he's exactly. fit. So that makes a lot more sense. But you know, he like the big ongoing joke with him is how he wanted his his stress relieving BJ, you know, and it kept getting interrupted. And oh darn, he's coming into the house. I wanted my special BJ, and <laughs> ah, this isn't Three's company, you know. It's Lethal Weapon. Yeah. Um. Yeah, there was, again, some of the humor I didn't like, uh, some of the overtopness, like you said, was over the top. I just chalked that up to being pilot episode fever. Um, but, again, I did like the characters, and I look forward to the, the future episodes with it. I do, too. The, um, what was it? Uh, but, yes, he's not playing the, the grizzled, grizzled old vet. Nope. Uh, Murtaugh. It's definitely more of like a... Uh, I know I'm old, but I had a heart attack too young, and I'm not ready for this to leave, but I feel like I should be leaving. And right. I feel we're getting a very emotionally distraught Murtaugh, who has a newborn child at 50, and he just had yeah. a heart attack, and yeah, you know, on and on and on. So Yeah. God, that makes so much more yeah. sense now that I know that it was senior. Like, yeah, that's Damon Wayne Sr. <laughs> <sighs> now, you said you haven't watched any other new shows this week. No, I'm done on shows now. Um, I haven't watched. Um, oh, let's see here. Let's see, I watched Gotham. I watched Big Bang, Lucifer, Shield. Um, I haven't watched the new American Horror Story or Blind Spot. I did watch Lethal Weapon and SVU. Didn't watch Designated Survivor. I watched Designated Survivor. Yeah, and it's the whole first episode is set up. It's literally just setting you up for what's going on. Yeah, I um, figured as much. You know, the story, you've seen it in the previews. Basically, when they're doing the State of the Union address, they take one member of the cabinet and put them in an undisclosed location, and they are considered the designated survivors so that if something catastrophic happens while everybody else is gathered together, they can keep continuity of government. And Kiefer yep. Sutherland is that person. The nice thing is, without giving much away, is that there are multiple stories that are going to be told. You know, there's the story of what's going on with him. Uh, certain factions in the government have their own ideas of what should be happening. Um, <clears throat> then there's also the FBI investigation into what happened that, you know, killed off the rest of the cabinet members. 
Um, it's good. It's intense. It's high octane, pretty much. Uh, I think it's got legs. I think it'll be a pretty good show. It's got Kiefer Sutherland, so of course it'll last for a while. You know, it's Fox. They love him. Oh, yeah, the Fox definitely loves Keith or Sutherland. I don't feel like that'll be a show that's canceled anytime soon. But they definitely, they start off the episode with a bang, and then they're like 15 hours earlier, and you're like, oh, don't do that. That's getting so old. <laughs> yeah, that happens a lot to shows. Yep. Where it starts out, and then, oh, 36 hours ago, this is what, this is what led up to this. Yep. And, uh... The only other new show that I watched this week, I watched a couple other that I've been keeping up on, but the only other new one was Bull. Oh, I had heard about that, but I was like, eh. I like the actor. What they call him? Like the, the second on the call sheet for NCIS, I think he was, or yeah. one of those shows. Um, he's a good actor. I'll be interested to see what they do with the show. He's basically a jury consultant. So he talks to the people, whether it's defense or prosecution about the uh, jury selection, the people on the jury, etc. Um, one of the neat things that they had in it was uh, he'd be sitting in the courtroom and listening to testimonies, listening to, you know, the, the prosecution or the defense talk to the witness and he'd look over and you'd see one of the jury members turn and look at him and say like, I think this guy's an asshole. I can't believe he's doing this. So it was almost like he was reading them, but not really like with text on the screen. Basically they were talking to him as if he knew what they were thinking in their heads. So that was kind of cool. I don't know if they'll, like I said, if they'll be able to really, continue this like it, it seems like a one note kind of thing like he consults on juries so what's he going to do it's like lie to me except for all well mostly all in the courtroom yep you know they talk about how they they've got somebody there who's a fashion designer who does the wardrobe and the hair for the kid who's going to take the stand because looks are everything and people make their decisions based on looks more often than they make them on uh, anything else. So, you know, this all sounds like a new movie that's coming out soon. And I just saw a trailer of the other day with, um, it's not Tom Hanks. Is it Tim Honks? <laughs> no, it's Odom Shanks. Um, <laughs> Uh, there's this movie that's coming out soon, and basically this kid is on trial for murdering his rich dad, and it's about the defense. It's called The Whole Truth. Is the name of the movie is called The Whole Truth. And I watched a trailer the other day, and basically what you just said, and I and I wasn't going to talk about this movie today because I didn't uh, The Whole Truth. I mean because it didn't wow me or excite me but listen to you talk about this tv show that's exactly what this sounds like the whole thing with you know it's about how the how he looks to the jury and how he comes across and yeah it just gotcha. see, oh, keanu reeves keanu reeves and zanae well and zanae wellweger <laughs> renee zellweger um yeah renee it comes out in october you know, check out the trailer i guess if yeah. you want it's called the whole truth but yeah it was just kind of like that's exactly what it reminds me of Gotcha. Talk about bowl. Um, but yeah, that was it for new shows. Um, You're the worst is still awesome. Mm -hmm. I, I watched this episode and there's not a lot to say about it. It it was a 
pretty standard episode for them, but I still love this show. And mm-hmm. one of the characters in there, uh, he's he's a vet. He's got PTSD, and he recently stopped his meds. And everybody rips on him like he's kind of their punching bag. And mm-hmm. you can see something's bubbling under the surface. And you're not sure if it's going to be that he's going to lash out at everybody or that he's just going to off himself. It really feels like he could be leaning towards offing himself. And it's kind of a scary notion because this show is the type of thing that would do that. So I'm really nervous because he's a good guy. He's a good character. And I would hate to see that happen to him. But, yeah, if you're not watching You're the Worst, you should watch You're the Worst. Take your word for it. <coughs> um. You said you watched a couple of movies, right? I did, actually. I watched so I still uh, got a couple of shows, but I can... Go, no, go ahead. I'll, right I'll ahead. intersperse them with your movies, because I didn't watch any movies. Go ahead with your movies. Okay, well, all right. I'll, I'll start out with, I saw... I see Network, and it's one of those, like, oh, I want to watch something I don't want to watch. I don't want to have to pay attention to it if I don't want to, and, you know, one of those type scenarios. Mm-hmm. And uh, they just put Jaws back on Netflix. and uh, I think I've heard of that movie. I haven't seen Jaws in a long time. Well, actually, I've seen Jaws in the last, I think I watched it a year ago, I mean. So I was like, oh, I'll put Jaws on. Then I stopped saying, you know what? I've seen Jaws recently. I haven't seen Jaws 2 in a long time. Oh. So I threw Jaws 2 on. Now, I'll just give you a quick synopsis. It was Jaws. It came out in 1978. It takes place four years after the first shark attack. Chief Brody thinks another shark has returned to Amni. After a series of disappearances and deaths, no one believes him. And he's even fired by the town as the chief because, you know, he's going to ruin the tour season again. Um, but, of course, after he's fired, the shark makes its presence known to all. And they apologize to him. And he just doesn't he, – all he cares about is two kids. That there's a bunch of kids out on boats. And he's afraid that the shark's going to go for them. And, of course, an accident has happened in the marooned. And, of course, the shark is now killing them one by one. And Brody goes out there and, and manages to uh, make the shark bite down on this high-tension line that runs on the ocean floor to the island, supplying power to the island. Um, and so that's how they kill the shark in that one. Hmm. And then, in 1983, they came out with Jaws 3D. And this is garbage. Yes. Oh yeah. my god, this is garbage. And what's funny, I remember my my grandmother took me and my cousin William to the movies, to State Street Cinema, and we went and saw um I think it was like a re-release of of Snow White or Dumbo or something like that. And uh this kid came up and bought a ticket to Jaws 3 and ran into the theater. And I remember my grandmother going like, he's old enough to go watch that movie? Like, and given the, the Clark grief over, you know, allowing this kid to go watch a, a, mm-hmm. you know, Jaws 3. Um, but yeah, this movie's terrible. The 3D effects are god-awful. <laughs> and it's... And the worst part is, is like, they will... They do like a scene where like, at the end where they blow the shark up. And then after like the scene of them blowing the shark up, it cuts to like this really odd, like bad effects of like the jaw and another piece floating up to the screen or something like that. And they just, it just looks terrible. Oh, it's laughable how bad it looks when they do the 3d, but basically Michael 
and Sean, the only characters by name only that return in this movie from the first two films, but they're played by different actors. Dennis Quaid's in this. He plays Michael. He works at SeaWorld in Florida, and Sean is there to visit him. And um, a baby shark gets into the park, attacks some people. They capture it. It dies. Mama shark doesn't like it. She works her way into the park, starts killing a bunch of people, until finally they blow her up. Then I watched Jaws the Revenge, Jaws 4. This came out in 1987. And incidentally, what's hilarious is everything in Jaws 3 is ignored. In fact, Michael is a marine biologist. He never worked at SeaWorld. And even the uh, – I found out by looking some stuff up online that even the um, – where is it? Where's my note here? The Universal – I think it's the Universal – whatever the movie theater was. I think it was Universal – uh, they even, in their press releases, talk about this being the third – here we go. Universal Studios press release called Jaws Revenge the third film of a remarkable Jaws trilogy. So even they ignored that Jaws 3 ever happened. Uh, seven characters returned from the original two films with only three of those original actors returning. And the main air actress that returned was Lorraine Gray, who played Alan Brody in the first two flicks. Uh, at this point, uh, Chief Brody is dead. Michael and Sean are back, but they're played by different actors. Sean's a deputy for Amity. And at the beginning of the flick, he goes out to clear a log from a buoy, and he gets killed by a shark. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. And then Alan ends up going down to the Bahamas with Michael and his family, uh, where he works as a marine biologist with Mario Van Peebles, who has the worst Jamaican accent in the history of people doing fake Jamaican accents in movies. And, of course, they deal with a shark down there that eventually Ellen Brody has to uh, spear with this big boat because it makes her feel good to kill the shark. And that movie was terrible, too. So I watched those three. Wow. Yeah. I did watch a couple more movies, but I I, I watched those three, and they they were pretty bad. I see. Three and four were. <laughs> so yeah, the first one's a classic. Second one, eh. Yeah, but but I hadn't seen them in so long. It was kind of that was that was nice. Like part two actually kept my attention quite a bit. Part three and four, I kind of was doing other things or whatever. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So you got a you got a show to share? Uh, yeah. Um, I <sighs> this is gonna sound really weird, but I am loving. This season of South Park. Really? We're, we're only two episodes in. I know I talked last time about how, uh, you know, they were continuing the theme from last season and they had the whole, um, the national anthem was being rebooted by J.J. Abrams because of, you know, the whole controversy of taking a knee during the national anthem. Oh, God. It, well. I was so tired of that. It, it got cut off on my DVR. So I never saw the very end of it. And it turns out that the way that he rebooted it was he kept the song the exact same, but when they made the announcement, they said, please rise for the national anthem or sit or take a knee or whatever you want. As long as you're here, you're supporting America. (laughs) (laughs) And they were like, JJ Abrams did it. He made it. He rebooted it. He made it perfect. Um, But it turns out that the, you know, the whole controversy was that the girls' volleyball team of South Park was uh, taking a knee or walking off the field from the uh, national anthem because they were boycotting Cartman 
being online and trolling them under the name of Skank Hunter 42 and just being a real troll, a real dick. And all the boys were mad. All the girls were mad. Everyone was mad at Cartman. And he's, of course, playing dumb and saying, you know, oh, we got to stop this. We got to stop this Skank Hunter 42. It's really bothering the girls. And they're like, Cartman, we know it's you. You know, you need to cut this out. You're really hurting people. Well, it turns out that in the end of the episode, we find out that it's not Cartman. It's actually Stan's dad. Oh, that's and, funny. Uh, not Stan's dad, Kyle's dad, I, uh, Gerald Broflowski. And he's in there writing all these inflammatory posts. Well, it continued this episode. And this was some deep, dark crap. Like, I don't remember the last time. South Park usually does a good job of, like, being funny about the stuff that they handle. Yep. And they were funny but they were so dark. This episode actually like made me cringe a few times. Oh, wow. They used like you see this one girl whose mom got photoshopped with a dick in her mouth and she was made fun of and tormented. You know, look what your mom's doing. Ha huh? by Kyle's dad. Nobody knows that it's him. And you actually see her standing on the edge of a bridge, staring at the phone, staring off into the distance, looking down at the water below, and then it just pans up to the sky, and you hear a splash in the water. Oh, wow. And That's pretty dark. Yeah, well, then the next day, you know, one of the boys is walking through school, and they're like, what's going on? Everybody's, like, crying, and, you know, they can't handle themselves, and they're all trying to console each other, and they're like, she, she quit Twitter. And you're supposed to laugh because it's like, oh, you know, she quit Twitter, so now she's like a non-entity. But the way that they presented it, you know what they were talking about. You know that this kid, you know, it's the equivalent yeah. of killing yourself. Right, and then right. later on, you know, one of the other students keeps coming to the school counselor over and over again. He's like, I should do it. I should just quit Twitter. The world would be a better place without me. Nobody wants me around. And the counselor's trying to support him, but then he keeps coming to him and keeps coming to him and keeps coming to him and even calling him at home to the point where he's like, oh, I wish you'd just do it already. And again, you're supposed to see the humor in it, but at the same time, you know what they're talking about. Yeah, they're using quick Twitter as a thing that basically says suicide. Yeah, and the boys are still convinced that Cartman is the troll, so they're like, they sit there and they're like, you know what? He's been the cause of every one of our problems all of our lives. It's about time we finally did what we've always talked about. And they're like, I don't know if we can do this. And they're like, we have to do it. It's it's enough is enough. And so they invite him up to Stan's uncle's cabin in the woods so that they can have a counter-strike land party. And Cartman's all excited and they all walk up there. And it's this long, drawn-out scene where Cartman's all excited and the boys are all just like very somber and very sullen. And they're like, yeah. Yeah, you're going to have a good time, Cartman. Yeah, it's going to be great. And the whole mood is so, like, tense and down. And when they get up there, they finally corner him, and they pull out axes and baseball bats and crowbars, and they're like, we need to stop you. We, we can't do this anymore. You're killing it. The girls have threatened retaliation. You're hurting so many people. We need to put an end to this. We're sorry. And then they just destroy all of his electronics. His phone, his tablet, his laptop. And he gets so emotional. He's crying. He's like, this is like two two Christmases and a birthday's worth of gifts. You can't do this. I, I need this stuff. And then he's crying and he's bawling and he falls to the floor and he's like trying to crawl out the door and they're just smashing all of his stuff. They bury it in the ground out back and they're like, what did we do? We did what we had to do. And they're just losing their minds. It really like punched me in the gut because it <laughs> – 
it's the first time that they weren't really joking. Like they, they knew what the message was that they were putting across. And then later on, when they realize that Skank Hunt is still posting and Cartman doesn't have any of his electronics and he's walking lost down the corridor of the school. And they're like, what have we done? What have we done? And they show like a school picture and Cartman fades out of the picture, you know, a class picture. And it's just so horrible because you know that this is going on these days and you know that they're really trying to make a point about it while still being humorous. But at the same time, you know, over the top scenes of Gerald sitting in his study, blasting Boston and drinking wine and saying some of the nastiest stuff, you know, your daughter looks like she has a mustache. What's wrong with your ovaries? Obviously you're a genetic freak and just going off on all these people. It's really dark, dude. This season is dark and I love it. Nice. Yeah. It really feels like they're stepping up their game of making a statement about stuff. And then in the end, the girls finally follow through. They're like, you know what? We're all unified. These boys have to be stopped. They have to be taught a lesson. So they have this minute-long scene that is one of the saddest things that I've ever seen. And it's where every girl in school walks up to their respective guy and hands them a letter that says, I'm breaking up with you forever. Goodbye. And so every one of them breaks up with their boyfriend and all the boys are left crying in puddles of their own tears and wondering what they're going to do because now their lives have been ruined too. So yeah, I'm digging it. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Okay, I just want to branch up, branch up. I just want to mention Yeah. that uh, my wife wanted me to mention because she didn't see it in the notes and she didn't hear me talk about it last week. And that's that uh, Grey's Anatomy has returned to ABC on Thursday nights. And then she told me all the stuff that's going on on the show so I could relay it. And I'm just going to go with someone slept with someone. Someone didn't like that. Other drama happened. No one cares but you, Kate. And a few million other people. I think that's pretty accurate. But was there crying? There was There was crying. And then other people were happy, and other people were more sad. Okay. And then McDreamy's dead, and McSteamy's dead, and and they're never going to bring back the McBLT and the the fancy split container that you folded in half to put the sandwich together. Awesome. Yeah. So there's that. I, I feel enlightened. I watched this flick on Netflix. It's a fairly new flick. Just came out the other day. Okay. Yes, I feel like at least it was at least put, just put on Netflix. Here they had 2006. It's, it's uh, listed as 2016. Sorry, and it's a um, it's called Most Likely to Die. <laughs> okay, it's a horror flick, and essentially what it is, um, former classmates gather together the night before their 10 year high school reunion, where they are each killed, basically one by one, based on their yearbook superlative. <laughs> okay. So everyone in the senior class in this movie, in this storyline here, was given a superlative, like, you know, most likely to succeed, most likely to this, most likely to that. And as a prank, uh, one of the characters, a guy named John, was a student that was victimized and uh, bullied a lot. And the prank was that someone put his superlative as most likely to die, and the photo 
they had scratched up his face and wrote die on his forehead in the yearbook. And that's what made it to all the yearbooks. Okay. And essentially they allude to he might have killed himself, but basically he moved away. No one ever heard from him. No one knows what's happened to him. And so the killer wears a cap and gown and a paper mache mask. Uh, look to resemble that of the photo with the weird scratched out face and the word die written on the forehead. And the uh, the board on the cap is sharpened, razor sharp. In fact, it will slit a throat with just a flick of the head, as okay. we find out at one point. Uh, Heather Morris from Glee fame is the star. Also in the movie is Perez Hilton, and his character is a best friend character who basically records everything. So it's kind of like who he is in real life. Yep. And, um, yeah. Oh, Jake, uh, Jake Busey has a, uh, kind of a minor role in it and he gets killed pretty quick. But, uh, yeah, essentially that's about it. So, I mean, it's just these friends trapped in this house. There's no cell phone reception. They're kind of three hours away from, you know, town, this and that and everything. And things aren't going well for them. And uh, I actually really liked it. It was pretty darn good. Oh, cool. Not, I'm not going to give it a hard sell, but definitely throw it in your queue and check it out someday. All right. Yeah. Didn't didn't sound like you were going to say that you liked it, but then you surprised me. Yeah, no, I actually, I actually did. I did like it. It was a low budget kind of. It was a low budget horror flick, uh, slasher style horror flick. They definitely set it up for a sequel based on the ending, and. Um, yeah, I mean, like, if they came out with another one, I'd watch it. Again, though, I can't give it a hard sell. It's just more along the lines of, it's a good B-horror flick. Hmm. Cool. Sometimes you need those. Yeah. I look forward to them. Yeah. You got any more shows? Uh, One more. Go for it. This week, Adam ruined animals. <laughs> Uh, How do you do that? Well, it was some interesting facts. It wasn't as many as some of the other shows that he's had, but uh, he said that, you know, we as humans have been living with domesticated dogs for 10,000 years, but actual dog breeds have only existed for 150. And the dog breeds are completely made up, and they're made up by us humans who decided we wanted to keep these dogs looking a certain way. Like, oh, we like the way that this one looks, so let's only let it breed with other ones that look like this. Yeah, and I know a lady that was a breeder, and yep. she was a very nice person, but when it came to her dogs, she was a unbelievable over-the-top snob about, you know, the whatever the kennel pedigree. club name it. The, yeah, they're having dogs having pedigrees and breeding this and that and everything. Yep. And so to the point where it's just like when someone took uh, a, a beagle and a Labrador and they and they bred them together and they that dog that came out, they decided they were going to call a Labrador. Yep. Or a, lab, a, a Labby, I mean, or a uh, Beagledor. Yes, okay. a Labby, my last name. Um, or a Beagledor. Um she is just like, that's a mutt. That is a mutt. Why would anyone pay any money for a mutt like that? And I'm just like, well, because of, at one point your Burmese mountain dogs were mutts. Yeah. You know, when they were first made, they weren't just like, let there be like, there's the Burmese mountain dog. Yep. 
And so and hearing Adam say this, it's just I love it because it just proves what I've said in the past and backs up my theory. Yeah, we've essentially used eugenics on the dog breeds. He said, if you want to use the word purebred, you basically are using the word inbred. And then he started going yeah. off across the uh, different genetic disorders that we've given them. He said uh, 60% of golden retrievers die of cancer because we try to keep their bloodline so pure. 95% of King Charles Spaniels have skulls that are too small for their brains. How's that for a headache? Uh, Pug's faces are so flat that they reverse sneeze. I don't know what that means, but it sounds disgusting. I've also heard their eyeballs pop out super easy. Yes. Uh, Great Danes are so big that they get bone tumors from supporting their own weight. Yep, I've heard that one, actually. And the English Bulldog, the British Bulldog, he's a complete genetic failure. It says their noses are so squashed they can barely breathe. Their heads are so big they usually have to be born by C-section. Their average life expectancy is six years, and their tail can be ingrown, and they all have hip dysplasia. Because he says we could clear this up in a few generations if we just let dogs go out and breed with other dogs let them repopulate the gene pool and randomize things mutts are the best thing to happen to dogs not being purebred Hmm. Um, I believe it makes sense makes sense he went on to talk about how having outdoor cats is one of the worst things that you can ever do for them because once they go outside they become feral Mm -hmm. and then they breed and he said that at this point the population is so overwhelmingly big because they can have up to like 12 cat uh, 12 kittens a year that there is one cat out there for uh, one cat on the streets for every one cat in a house there's like 70 billion cats out there and that's unreal yeah he said that they uh 70 million sorry 70 million uh but he said that the average lifespan of a feral cat is five years versus 15 for an indoor cat Mm -hmm. and beyond just the cats themselves they've actually driven 20 different songbird species to extinction because they go out and they just kill birds constantly that's kind of gross yeah um yeah, that really is gross. He basically says that at this point, feral cats are an invasive species. Birds are part of the ecosystem, and the cats are destroying part of the ecosystem. And the only other thing that he talked about, which was very controversial, and he admitted it, was uh, trophy hunting. Yep. And he was saying that, you know, trophy hunting by itself, you know, this is like the Cecil the Lion dentist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that for the most part, yes, it's a terrible thing, but a lot of these African countries are taking the money that they get from trophy hunting and using it to preserve animals. So he says, you know, yes, they might let you go out and hunt an old sickly or, you know, a very antisocial lion, say, and then they use that money to preserve two lions on private property. They've given farmers all these subsidies and kickbacks so that they will set aside land for rhinos and lions and stuff and keep them protected because then they're getting money every year from these foundations. Um, He did say that like white rhinos have grown from 100 to 18,000. And one in three now lives on private properties because of these systems. You know, it's um, I was at the uh, co-op down in Gardner today getting some uh, chili powder and stuff. And I saw a sign for the Kennewick Valley Humane Society that was advertising, come get a feral cat for your barn because they're great mousers. <laughs> wow. And I was, yeah. Like I, you know, like, I was like, interesting. My cats have been indoors their entire lives, and they catch plenty of mice when they're around. 
you know, I had, um, when I was a kid, we had our cats went in and out. Like they'd come pound on the door, meow by the door, whatever. We put the cats out and that was all good and fine and everything. But, uh, when, you know, uh, when I had my apartment, I didn't want to let, let the cats out. I didn't want to deal with that. It was too big of a pain. And then the house in Randolph, I just, I just, I don't know. I just don't want to let the cats out. I don't have to worry about cats stuck outside overnight or right. we left the cat in all day and he pooped and peed on the floor or, right. or whatever, you know? And, and then, like you said, I don't want to deal with them bringing ticks in the house or bringing fleas in the house. Or, yeah. Getting attacked by skunks because yes. there are other oh, predators yeah. out there. Exactly. And I just want to deal with that. So getting like, hit I, by a car. Yep. Exactly. So I just, I'm when I lived over on route 27, I don't know how many times someone came to knock on my door to say, hey, I think I hit your cat. And it was like these people that lived across the way, they just kept getting one after another. Yep. But, you know, it ran from my side of the road to the other or or got hit and ran into the woods there or whatever. And then I'd go trug off in the woods and find, you know, another dead cat. It was just, it was insane how many cats got killed out there. People need to fix their cats, and for the love of God, just keep them inside. I mean, some yeah. cats really want to go outside, but I've had experiences like my most recent cats here. They've snuck outside, like I didn't yeah. close the door quite tightly enough, and they'd sneak outside. And even being out there for like five or ten minutes, they'd come back in and attack their brother or sister. They like flip right out because they get that feral sense to them. Yeah, you know, it's too overwhelming for them. So it's. It's better for the cats. They'll live happier lives if they just stay indoors. They're meant to be indoor animals right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And listen to Bob Barker. Yes. Spay or neuter your pet, for God's sakes. Well, yeah, that's all I got for shows. I went to the movies today. Yes. And my stepfather and I, we went and saw The Magnificent Seven. And I know you say you're going tomorrow, so I'm not going to talk a whole lot about it. We can talk about it more next week. Sure. But I'll just sum it up with uh, with this. It is de- if you're looking for a, a, a epic classic movie, I wouldn't call this that. Okay. If you're looking for a really good western, this is it. It's a great movie. It's a yep. really good western. The characters are very likable. You can get behind them. Denzel Washington basically plays Denzel Washington as a cowboy. <laughs> Because, um, you know, realistically, he kind of plays the same. Like, Jason Statham plays the same character in every movie he's in. And Denzel Washington has had the ability to mix it up a little bit. But he pretty much plays the same type of guy in every movie he's in. He's a tough guy. Um, and he stares people down. And he does it in this, in a great way. Chris Pratt is Chris Pratt. You know, he ha- yep. he brings the comedy. He brings the drama. He brings the gunplay. It's great. So I, I really, really like this movie. You know, I'm, when it comes out on home video, I'll definitely actually watch it again. Oh, cool. Yeah, so you'll like it. Cool. I know you'll like it, yeah. Yeah, I would have gone today, but, you know, had to give blood. Right, right, right. No worries. No yeah. worries. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it tomorrow. It does look like fun. It's yeah. the first movie in a while that I've wanted to go to the theater to see, so. I have actually been to the theater more this year than I have the last few years combined, I think. <laughs> I haven't had a chance to go as much as I'd like to, um, but uh, yeah, I made it a point to go see this one because I really like westerns. I mean, I love Tombstone. That movie is just so good. And did your uh, stepfather enjoy it? He did, even though there's no boats in it. He really liked it. Um, no, no, he, he liked it. He, he gets done. He goes like, 
how many people you think they killed in that movie anyways? <laughs> and I'm just like, I don't know. 150 probably. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of killing going on. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. You're going to like it tomorrow. Excellent. Which kind of brings me into my next category, which is trailers. And uh, while I was there, I got uh, I got trailers to I had seen before to a couple of movies. We got a new a new trailer to uh, Rogue One that was awesome. Oh yeah, yeah, it was good. I it, it was really, 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 really good. Like the first uh, three quarters of the trailer, I think they're playing basically kind of like a a, a a version of the throne room. March song. The Imperial March? The Imperial March, I'm sorry, yes. They basically were kind of playing that, but it was kind of like in a different key and a different speed and everything. And it really worked and it really sounded cool. And then um, near the end of the trailer, they were playing what the, um, like the Star Wars credits song. I can't think of what it's called. Uh, I know what you mean. The Jedi's music, you know, like, you know what I'm talking about. I sure do. Um, they played that, and again, they mixed up the pace and the, the, the beat of the song and everything, and that sounded really great. And then there was just some new parts, of new some new footage I hadn't seen, and um, it just looked so good. And, of course, they did the standard after they did the Rogue One. They did the cut back to the showing Vader back to and, and a couple of breaths from him. Nice. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty awesome. But uh, one of the trailers that I saw was for a movie I'd never heard of, never seen. And it starts out basically saying, um, I'm just this is how I'm going to sum it up. Uh, hey, it's a trailer for M. Night Shyamalan's next disappointing movie that people are going to go watch anyways because what if he does good again like he did the first time? <laughs> it's called Split, and it's essentially James McAvoy plays a guy who has confirmed 23 different personalities. And one of his personalities compels him to abduct three teenage girls. And as they're held captive, uh, they come into contact with all these different personalities that are in him, from a little boy to a sophisticated woman to everything. And one thing they all warn them about is the Beast, which apparently, as I'm reading right now, is his 24th and final personality. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> but it is an M. Night Shyamalan thing? But it's an M. Night Shyamalan movie, so I have no no high hopes in this movie at all. I never have high hopes with him anymore. Yeah, no, I don't blame you whatsoever. But it's called Split. Comes out uh, in January. I'm sure the trailer will be released now that it's been in the theaters. And I don't know, just kind of looks screwed up. Yeah. Yeah. Any trailers? He he hit gold once, and I think that was about it. You know, uh, the Sixth Sense that was great. I liked Unbreakable. I thought that was good. And then everything after that has just been junk or garbage. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Yep, I'd have to say. Yeah. Um, I saw a trailer. You might have seen it for Passengers. 
Yep, that was at the movie today, and I had seen it the other day, and I had that down to talk about. But go right ahead. I enjoyed it. Um, it mm-hmm. seems like we've seen this before. You know, it it doesn't seem like an original premise that you've never heard of. Basically, these people are uh, supposed to be hibernating in stasis pods for 120 years as they journey to what is it, Mars? No, it's not Mars. It's a, a distant galaxy. A planet oh, yeah. On a distant yeah. galaxy. And for some reason, the two hottest people, um, Jennifer Lawrence and Chris Evans. No, Chris Pratt. Sorry. Chris Pratt. Uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just – there's 5,259 people in stasis on that ship. We definitely did not see them all. I, wouldn't, I, I don't know if you could say they're the hottest people. Yeah. Have, have you seen Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence? These are the hottest people in that ship. Trust me. Okay. All right. All right. It, Fair th- enough. That's the audience draw. We we Fair were enough. not <laughs> greeted by the <laughs> ugly people. Like if we'd gotten say some of the people from the IT crowd, that would have been awesome. You know, Bob I would have liked to see. Something. Yeah, or or like yeah. Simon Pegg and uh, Zoe Deschanel or something. You know, let's put those two. But anyway, so they wake up ninety years too soon, so they can't really stay alive for 90 years outside the stasis pods. We don't know why they can't go back in. And then you just can't. Yeah. And, and so they're like trying to make the best of it, but then things start going wrong and the ship looks like it's shutting down. And we get a Frankenstein clip at the end when Chris Pratt says, I got to tell you something. There's a yeah. reason we woke up early and it's, but a Franken- we don't know, but we don't know if that's a continuous sentence. Exactly. That's why I said it's a Frankenstein yeah. clip. I think it was taken out of context. We might've missed a few words. So it could have originally said, what if there's a reason we woke up early? You know, I don't think there's a reason we woke up early. All we got was there's a reason we woke up early. Yeah. So I think they're messing with us. Um, I was thinking about it, and it's like with just the two of them, like it wouldn't. It, they, you know, they can't even really re- have children because it would be unfair of them to reproduce because they they essentially be raising a child who could never experience the love of a partner or love of a mate, unless you know they had two kids and then there was some incest going on. Right. Yeah. And then we get into the whole uh, uh, incestual inbreeding of dogs thing and. It's not going to work. We've already learned that. You're right. It's not going to work. The thing is, I still want to see this movie. I still think it looks really good. But it just, it seems like we've seen this stuff before. And I feel like Mm -hmm. this is, you know, it's the next Gravity or something like that. Gravity plus Titanic plus... Oh my goodness, it is. A little bit of... Star Trek thrown in there. You know, we've got the neat robot waiter. Oh, oh, you know what it is? What? It's the shining in space minus the kid. Oh, my goodness. That is what it is. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well done. Well done. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I really want to see it. But I don't know. What are your thoughts? I watched. Uh, I don't know when this comes out. All it says is September 2016. And it's a movie called Birth of the Dragon. Okay. And it's set in 1965 San Francisco, and it's the true story. Was that air quotes? Yeah. There was. Of a fight between Bruce Lee and Wong Jack Man. 
And Wong Jack Man is like a kung fu master funk, uh, monk type guy who came from Hong Kong to the States because uh, well, allegedly he was sent because Bruce Lee was teaching kung fu to non-Chinese people. To white people, black people, whoever he wanted to. Okay. And so, the, if you watch Dragon the Bruce Lee story, the fight that these two guys have is is uh, is over Lee's right to be able to teach who he wants to teach. Uh, but this, in real life, though, um, the reason for the fight is disputed between Lee's camp and uh, the guy he fought. Uh, Wong Jack Man. The, uh, the the reason for the fight is disputed between them as well as the length of the fight. Bruce Lee has gone on record stating as well as his wife did uh, in the book that she wrote recently that the fight lasted three to five minutes and that Wong Jack Man literally ran away from him and like um, Bruce Lee had to basically chase him down until he, he submitted. Okay. Um so Bruce Lee's side of the story said lasted three minutes, whereas Wong Jack Man's side with his supporters say it lasted longer, like 20 to 25 minutes. And he never really says who really won the fight. So I don't know what point of view the movie's going to take. Um, from listening to and, 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 and watching that trailer and everything, it almost seems like it's going to be more on the uh, Wolf Jack Man side of things. Uh, his his version, his point of view, as far as the fight lasted longer and everything. So okay, uh, we'll see though. But it looks like a good flick. It does look a good flick. You should check out the trailer for it. Again, it's called Birth of the Dragon, and it's a, it's a solid flick. Cool. Yeah. You got any more trailers? Uh, no. Okay. I got a couple more. I had passengers, but I'm not going to talk about it. And I one's called the windmill, and this is set in uh, in uh, Amsterdam. Sorry, a girl who clearly has a suspicious past takes a suspicious past takes a tour on a, uh, a windmill tour, and the uh, bus breaks down, and then the bad stuff starts happening. It's an English language flick. It looks like a really cool old slasher flick. I mean, it looks like a really solid movie. Um, not Oscar worthy or anything like that, but I mean, definitely worth your time to check it out sometime if you can. Yeah. And it's called the windmill. I definitely will be looking for it. Okay. And then the last trail I started, I saw was for a movie called Christine and no, it's not the Stephen King, uh, killer car movie. Okay. This is about, this is the true story of Christine Chubbuck and it stars Rachel, Rebecca Hall, I mean, and then uh, and then uh, Michael C. Hall, you know, Dexter is her co-star. Yep. And it's essentially what Christine Chubbuck is known for is in 19, on July 15th, 1975, on a live morning news broadcast, she said, with Channel 40's policy of bringing you the latest in blood and guts and in living color, you're going to see for the first time a suicide attempt. And she pulled a gun out and shot herself in the head. Oh, Wow on live TV in 1974. And this movie is about her final days leading up to that. So, wow. Yeah. The trailer looked really good. Like I'm watching the trailer. I'm just like, this is that news reporter that shot herself on TV. I know it is, 
But uh, yeah, the trailer looks like it's going to be a really good flick. Interesting. Yeah. So is it more documentary style or is it like... Oh, no. I, I don't... I mean, from what I saw, dramatization it's movie. It, it's, you know, I, I don't... It's definitely not a documentary because there's not real footage used. Well, there's, a, you know, I don't think any real footage is used, but it's definitely more of like, this is what happened. This was her story. This was her frustrations. This was her depression. And this is what she did. Gotcha. But it is done in a dramatic form. So that's why whenever I see true story or based on actual events, you know, it's always like a grain of salt because what actually happened. Because it's horse papa. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, so that looks kind of good. And that's it for me. Uh, I just had one little piece of news. I, I wasn't paying attention to a lot of the news this week. Yep. But I did see one interesting thing. They uh, announced that Bill Hader will be doing the voice of Alpha 5 in the upcoming Power Rangers movie. He already oh, brought really? life to BB-8, and now he will be Alpha 5, so I'm huh. behind that. You know that Elizabeth Banks is playing Rita Repulsa? Oh, yes, she is, and she looks good at it. Yeah, uh, that was surprising to me. Actually, what was surprising to me when I was a kid is that Rita Repulsa wasn't Asian. Like, the no. actress that played her was not an Asian woman. I was she, she was. She, she looked it. Yeah, she's not. That's makeup. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So. Anyhow, well. Okay, then. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good way to wrap things up, I guess. I think so, too. I mean, we've been only talking for two hours. Yeah, yeah. Yes. But we, we had new shows coming back, and, you know, next week we're going to be, you know, catching up on them as well, but there'll be other new shows to talk about. Absolutely, there will be. The Blacklist is back. We've got Van Helsing, The Exorcist, and MacGyver tonight. I mean, I, I kind of feel about MacGyver like Aaron felt about MacGyver. When I was a kid, MacGyver was the man. Sure was. And I really, just on the two trailers that I saw, previews, what I'm going to call it, commercials, I'm just like, this is garbage. <laughs> so. It'll be interesting to see if you stick with that or if your views change when you see it. We'll see, I guess. Yes, we will. We'll see. On next the next week. exciting episode of What Did You Watch This Week? Look us up on the Twitter. I am uh, Superstar ML. And I am the Quantum Geek, G33K. And the show is at What Did You Watch? And the Facebook presence is also at What Did You Watch? And uh, let us know. Give us advice, comments, suggestions, uh, whatever. Yeah. We're here. It's new show season. Fill us. Let us know what we missed, what we haven't been watching and we should have been. Yeah, let us know what new show you're watching that we haven't talked about that you think we should watch. Yes. And uh, the friend of mine there, Carolyn, who recommended Primeval, I started to watch an episode, but I didn't get finished because I got sidetracked and I hadn't gone back yet because all the new shows coming out, um, I was trying to keep up on those. So I don't know when I'll get a chance to watch Primeval, but I will, uh, I will let you know. It's the same thing with me and your recommendation from last week of ARC. I had every intention of watching it and I got so wrapped up in watching shows and doing all my running around that I completely missed it, but... That'll well, be coming. I, I do know a couple other people that we know, Martin and Aaron. I believe Aaron watched ARC, and they enjoyed it. So Good, good. Yeah. I, Excellent. I, 
Yeah. Um, hard sell again this week on Ark. It was that good, I think. Cool. Yeah. We'll check Marvel. it out. Later. Later, guys. Later.